Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here in the studio, it's Ian, nobody, and Chris. Here's a surprise. The U.S. federal government has hit its debt limit, or is about to. Apparently on Thursday, (laughs) they're going to hit the so-called debt limit. And of course, why they even have a debt limit just, you know, doesn't really make much sense. Uh, because they just raise it every time they come close to hitting it, so it's never really done any kind of limiting. Uh, we're already they're they're already over thirty one trillion dollars. The current debt limit, according to the Department of the Treasury, and welcome nobody. Good to have you. Thank you. Uh, the current debt limit, according to the Department of Treasury letter here issued out uh, earlier today is $31.381 trillion, and they are going to hit that as soon as next Thursday, according to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. uh, CNBC reporting here that after that, the Treasury Department will begin, quote, taking certain extraordinary measures to prevent the United States from defaulting on its obligations. What do you think happens if the U.S. government defaults on its obligations costs more money to get credit (laughs) um probably nothing (laughs) (laughs) well they make it sound like it's going to be this big thing and it may very well be because it's probably that they can't pay on the uh the treasury bonds would be my guess and if they can't pay on the treasury bonds uh mountaineer explained one one night a little while back uh, and he's like really into the the whole finance thing that that essentially causes a cascading, tr- just a traumatic situation with like the stock markets because there's a lot of things that depend on those bonds getting paid on time, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. So that may very well be one of the things that happens. But of course, the small government Republicans will certainly come to the rescue <laughs> and increase the debt limit. Usually they just borrow from one of their slush funds. Uh, well, they get to print it, right? Like it's just that they can't print more if the if they hit the debt limit. Right, because um, when the print when the Federal Reserve prints uh, money, you know, into existence, that's essentially they're buying the government's debt. Right? Aren't they buying the Treasury uh, bonds with that money? As I understand it, um, if, if they can't get J- Japan or China or whoever to buy the Treasury bonds or average suckers to buy them, then it's the Federal Reserve that does. Uh, that's the most common thing they yeah. do. The uh the committee is the uh, Federal Open Market Committee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, they usually buy treasury bonds, although they also are the organization that was buying up all kinds of toxic debt mm-hmm. uh, during the housing crunch, for example. We got somebody calling in here. You're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Cynthia. Cynthia, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, two things. Number one is that we need more emphasis put on our constitutional sheriffs. Those are local elections where maybe uh, libertarians might have more clout. And that they're their primary guardians of keeping either state or federal government or county government of intruding upon the rights that you're guaranteed under the Constitution. Yeah, if you hear uh, you hear a lot about these constitutional sheriffs, uh, you don't really see a lot about them. You don't really uh, see the results of the supposed constitutional sheriffs right, out right. there. Sheriff Mack, I heard him interviewed yesterday. Is he still a sheriff, by him. the way? No. Okay, no. I didn't think so. 
it's an honorarium at this point. Mm-hmm. But he's the one who won, you're right, uh, held the line on the feds on the Brady Bill, right? Went all the way to the Supreme Court. No, they can't insist that your sheriff in, uh, enforce a federal law. They can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was refusing to, to do this registration and pick up a weapons or something. Um, so he, he was saying there was only maybe 5% or less of uh, that he thinks are sheriffs are actually uh, actively attending to be constitutional sheriffs. That sounds like a reasonable so, presumption. I, we know there's one guy down in Arizona who is on the border. He's on one of the border counties in Arizona, and he is actually a, a Democrat who is in favor of immigration, although he's really a libertarian. I think he even de- described himself as a uh, an anarcho-capitalist or whatever, hmm. if I recall correctly. He's a really interesting guy. He called our show. Well, he, he, can, he can be that once he drops the support of immigration laws, which you can't have a No, no, he's against uh, the immigration Oh, laws. He's, he's against the immigration immig- laws. He's in favor of immigration. He's in favor of immigration. Okay, yes, yeah. I misunderstood. Proceed. David Hathaway, I think, is his name. Uh, and he wrote a book. Not the, the guy who was on Baywatch. No, you're thinking of uh, <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, y'all are going far afield from this topic. <laughs> so, um, what well, no, I was giving you another that? example of a constant, like a quote-unquote constitutional sheriff, somebody who well, is holding the line. For, for a straight-out libertarian, you're fine with, uh, let's call it illegal uh, immigration for whatever reason. But the issue is, is that we have a contract, and we're giving. Um, benefits to people who are impoverished, who are American citizens, and people with other certain criteria. And if you open it wide for anyone who wants to... What contract? I'm sorry. You said we have a contract. What, what is that? Well, we have a social contract in the sense that we do? we're giving people uh, benefits if they're disabled. Yeah, I don't recall, I don't recall signing this. I didn't sign this either. Where, where can well, we see this social contract? I'd like to review it. your county sheriff comes in because they hold the line on illegal behaviors in those elections. Okay, but that didn't answer my question. You said there's a social contract, and I've heard people make this accusation or make this claim before. They don't ever have any evidence to back it up, so I would like to know, Cynthia, where is the proof? I I, I paid in Social Security for years, right? It's taken from you. That's not a contract. That's, uh, like Chris said, they, they stole that money from you. And so there's no contract there, because remember, they can change the terms of Social Security at any time. So you have no contract with them. The supermajority of people that come here are looking for a better life for themselves. They're not murderers. They're not rapists. <laughs> they're not a threat to anyone. No more so than the average native-born Americans are a threat. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, it's an interesting thing about it. Like if you look at statistics, it's not like there is a like a disproportionate percentage of the people coming over the border who are you know murderers or rapists or thieves or whatever relative to our own population so if you increase if you increase that population you know it's it's going to be about the same in terms of like what percentage of people are murderers rapists and thieves or whatever so in other words you'd uh, avoid just as many murderers and rapists if you legalized abortion than if you uh closed the border <laughs> Yeah. Run me run that by I me think one that more makes time. Sense. Legalizing abortion would uh it, it would have no effect. <laughs> prevent as many felonies as closing the borders. Yeah, it's basically he's saying it has no effect. Well, I mean, in theory, yeah. you could say that legalizing abortion, abortions are probably more likely to be done by people who don't want to have children 
uh, more likely to be done by impoverished uh, people who can't afford mm, to have children. Maybe. And if you're not raising kids in, a, in an environment with parents that actually want them to be around, there's a good mm. chance those people may turn into dangerous mm. criminals down the line. So you actually may reduce crime mm. by legalizing abortion. Uh, Freakonomics mm. actually makes that uh, makes the argument that the reason for the major reason for the drop in crime after the 1970s was precisely the legalization of abortion mm-hmm. and having fewer children raised by families that did not Don't want them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I've never, it's can, never, I've never understood the conservatives who are so insane about making abortion illegal. It's like most of the people who are going to get abortions are probably your political opponents. They're more right. likely to get abortions. Why do, why do you care so much? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably something that they can only win periodically. I mean, basically, they outlaw uh, they outlaw abor- the conservatives outlaw abortion. The liberals have more babies until they can overcome the conservatives <laughs> and legalize abortion. In which right. case, they have fewer babies until the conservatives can overcome them and outlaw abortion again. Yep. And then the liberals will be on the rise. Uh, <laughs> or they could just break up, have a national divorce, and then go off and have their you know the liberals can have their socialist uh paradise and the conservatives can have their theocratic nightmare or buy whatever. Into that uh into that yeah. uh vision of the future because uh it sounds a heck of a lot better than the other yeah yeah i mean i'll i'll just stay here in new hampshire but y'all can fight it out as much however you like uh, so to go back to the story here about the u.s hitting its debt limit as soon as this coming thursday they're saying they may be able to string it along until as late as June with various different extreme measures or whatever, quote unquote, yeah, extraordinary. They didn't consider it constri- extreme to pass a 1.7 trillion omnibus nope. bill, though. That's not extreme. Nope. And uh, 31.4 trillion isn't enough. So they now want that to be raised, the federal debt limit to go up to God knows what now, 35. I don't know. I don't know what it was raised from. When they raised it to 31.4. The limit is the total amount, this is according to CNBC, of money the U.S. government is allowed to legally borrow to pay for its existing obligations. Those obligations include Social Security and Medicare benefits, military salaries, interest on the national debt, tax refunds, and other payments. Let's go to uh, Hatting calling us from Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, when I tuned in, you people were talking about the paradoxical Republican support for uh, or opposition to abortion. Yeah. All right. This is something that sort of started in the late 70s. You know, this kind of mobilization of religious fanaticism, uh, and it's somehow connected to neoconservatism. You watch uh, 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 Adam Curtis's, uh, you know, three-part uh, series, The Power of Nightmares. He talks about this, how the, 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 the religious right sort of came into being in the late 70s. And uh, they've been an important factor in things like uh, inflexible support for the state of Israel. Uh, and uh, in domestic politics, they insist that uh, opposition to abortion be the sine qua non of holding office for Republican politicians. 
which has, I'm, in my opinion, this has been disastrous. It yeah, it definitely has. It definitely has. I mean, they thought they were going to win all kinds of brownie points for overturning Roe versus Wade this year, and it ended up biting them in the back. Well, I mean, I've, I've been aware of this for a long time. Back in 1994, um, I knew some women that were very active in organizing for Pat Buchanan as a Republican presidential candidate when he was trying to get the nomination. Yep. Okay. And I and I, I talked to these women. I said, you know, the really important question that's going to influence the future of the USA is immigration. That's the key thing. And when you talk about abortion, you're alienating a lot of people who might agree with us on immigration. And they were persuaded by me. They thought I was talking sense. And then they had communication with the Buchanan organization, and they found out, no, that's not the way it goes. It has to be anti-abortion. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they end up shooting themselves. We end up not getting restrictions on immigration because of this stupid... Well, I'm sorry. I got to disagree with you. They are also shooting themselves in the foot by not being friendly towards immigrants. I mean, there's a, a ton of uh, conservative people in Mexico, a ton of Catholic uh, individuals mm-hmm. down there who would yeah. really appreciate the Republican viewpoint on economics. But because they're not welcoming towards uh, towards them as human beings, they lose a ton of uh, potential supporters that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, you're, you're in most kind of, of South America... Right and most of Central America, abortion is illegal. because yeah, I, I honestly don't give a damn about that. All right? Look, conservatism in the USA, if we were going to speak frankly, really has two completely separate foundations. There is a race-based conservatism, and there is this stupid religious-based conservatism. I would worry if there was a, a vast number of Muslims li- moving mm-hmm. into Keene, for example, okay. um, just because the, uh, well, Robert Heinlein said that any religion will, gen- will, if it obtains the power to do so, will make its religion law. Yeah, and, and I, that's a legitimate uh, concern. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not quite the same thing as specifically Muslim, though. That I'd be concerned be any, if it was Jehovah's any, Witnesses. Yeah, any group yeah, that's of a religious... I gotta say, I go one... one. St- I mean, there, there's a significant difference between Islam and any other religion that I know of, which is Islam is the only religion I know of where their prophet was physically involved in killing people for for not believing what he believed. Um was he though? Yeah, he, I mean they were uh they were a band that was uh roving around Saudi Arabia and killing off other uh sects, especially the ones that were not monotheistic. Hmm. Uh they didn't That's not how I recall the story. I mean, huh. I uh I, I... I can't say I'm a, a scholar or anything like this, and I wish we still had Will Coley here to uh, that we could just ring him up and and get him on the air and and talk about this. You, you may not be a scholar in this department, but you are probably the best right on religions <laughs> that I know, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, I've I've read the Quran. I mean, I, I have done that. I, have I don't know some, that many people who have read the Quran. <laughs> I, I have done some studying yeah. on the life of Muhammad and. 
my my reading of it now to be fair i mean i'm hearing this from other muslims right so take it with Mm -hmm. a grain of salt uh, but the uh, my understanding was Muslims were being persecuted at that time. They were the ones who were defending themselves uh, mm. against being attacked and being murdered. And yeah, they would use violence to defend themselves. But Muhammad was known for saying that if your enemy turns and runs, you are not to give chase. You are not to you know stab somebody in the back or whatever. If your enemy's fighting mm. you and they make retreat, that's the end. It should end right there. So I don't. That doesn't sound like the kind of philosophy of you know kill them all, mm-hmm. uh, just murder everyone. I, I don't no, believe it, that. And it wasn't. It wasn't kill them all. It was force oh. the survivors to convert, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Now I could be wrong on that. Um, mm-hmm. I know I, that I that's must where... admit that I have not read the. Uh, that's Red where some of the sects Red. have gone. Uh, but, that's where the the believers have gone that have mm-hmm. uh, have sought control over the state. Certainly, they yeah. will force uh, conversions. And it, this goes back to what you were saying. Any place where religion can take control of government is going to enforce its religion on yeah. other people. And these are essentially, uh, you know, if if again, if Will were here, Will Coley, uh, who's an imam that was living in this area, and he was a, a liberty activist who is well uh, educated on this, I think he would point out that these are essentially unorthodox people, that the people who are the you know the Sunnis and the, the Shias or whatever, that these are not orthodox Muslims. They are not following uh, the teachings of Muhammad in the same way that Christians that are cheering on the warmongering state are not following the teachings of Jesus, right? The Christians that are mm. cheering on throwing uh, brown people coming from Mexico into a cage or forcing them back at the, the barrel of a gun or something like that. These are people who are not following the teachings of Jesus. They aren't following uh, peaceful teachings. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, I was watching one documentary, and there are some very insane sects of the Muslim religion. Sure. This guy, was, this guy was preaching. If you find somebody that's a non-Muslim walking through the marketplace, they call you a kafir, which basically means you're a cow. He says you can kill him, you can take him and sell him, you can do whatever you want. Mm. That's spooky, for sure. Mm. Well, I mean, there's but, some insane. Uh, uh, there's some insane versions of Christianity out there too. I mean, that was more or less the logic that justified slavery in the United States. Mm. Uh, they they said that uh, well black folks had had descended from the Egyptians and therefore because the Egyptians uh, enslaved the Jews hundreds and hundreds of years ago it was okay to randomly uh, you know lock up their descendants. Well, it's always been spooky in the third world countries, and they are definitely a lot closer to the third world countries than we are. But uh, I'm, as far as Bo Snerdly goes, yeah. I got an interesting tale about that. All right. Uh, I heard it, I heard it uh, on a show just after Russ died when they were doing reminiscence and whatnot. And his original call screener that was with him for like a couple years was named Bo something or another. Okay. And so every call screener he had after that had to pick another acronym, Bo whatever. And uh, old Snerdly knew a story about somebody named Snerdly. Mm-hmm. So that's his the, the, the title he put on his dog tag, so to speak. Hmm. 
Did you? Uh, what do you think about the caller's claim? It sounds like you're familiar with the Rush Limbaugh show. Uh, what do you think about that caller's claim that Limbaugh was some secret racist or was uh, dog whistling to racists on his show? I, I, I think he was one of the biggest hearted men that ever stepped foot to the microphone, quite frankly. And he was very smart and very witty, and he brought a lot of sunshine to a lot of people today for a lot of years. He was a good damn man. There you go. Major, anything else you want to share tonight? Oh, God, there was another one. Oh, what was it? Just uh, Elon, Elon Musk taking over Twitter whatnot, and yeah. now all the documents popping out. Oh, yeah. That, uh, they were in collusion with the government for misinformation over the COVID and Big everything time. else. Yep. I'm thinking this is going to increase your listenership, dude, because there people are looking for a place to find a freaking truth. We got Dave Ridley on the line from Ridley Report. Oh, hey, Dave. Com. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. So uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance uh, it gets the this, this subtlety award for the, uh, for the month. Hmm. Um, they, they have made a, uh, a declaration, a ruling or a declaration, whatever you want to call it, that, that uh, in, has increased my faith in them, which hmm. is already pretty high. But like, so there's this problem with like liberty bill, or you know, people will submit a liberty bill. Like we're going, our plan is to force the government to spend more money on liberty, you know, hmm. or we're going to force people not to engage in activities with each other that we think are not pro freedom, you know, like like uh, the, the you know uh, attempts to uh, restrict unions or attempts to uh, make public schools do certain things that might be pro-freedom, but they cost more tax dollars, right? Mm. So oftentimes you'll find liberty organizations just jump right on that bandwagon and try to, you know, increase that funding for liberty, right? Mm. Uh, but the, the Liberty Alliance didn't do that um, in, 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 this, in this case here. So there's this bill called uh, House Bill 102, quote-unquote, requiring high schools to include instruction on the nature and history of communism, unquote. And to my pleasant surprise, the Liberty Alliance opposed this, uh, okay. even though it, we, on the surface it would seem like it's kind of a, a pro-freedom thing. Yeah, well, I mean, plus, how are you going to be able to control what all the teachers say about communism? Oh, yeah, sure, we'll instruct the kids on the nature of communism, and then if it's a communist who's the teacher, then mm-hmm. obviously they're going to have a different opinion than uh, somebody who is critical of, of communism as a teacher. Yeah, and if you if you think about it, um, like one of the things that liberals are upset about in New Hampshire these days is that, or progressives or whatever you want to call them, um, they're 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 upset about like liberty folks have been associated rightly or wrongly with these new restrictions on teaching critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Like there there's these new bills in New Hampshire. There they came, they came laws that well you can't teach critical race theory in the schools. Well, how do you? How does that work? How do you stop a teachers from opening and closing their mouth on whatever they're thinking? You know, that's just not the place to draw the line. Chris, you wanted to talk to us tonight about cryptocurrency, and it ties in with the discussion that we were having. I think it was last night on the show, where the SEC is continuing to file lawsuits against cryptocurrency-related companies, developers, 
Uh, we've, of course, seen them going after library, which they sadly won the library case, and they have yet to come up with a settlement there. That's going to likely destroy the library corporation, LBRY, unfortunately, but uh, we'll keep you up to date as that uh, situation develops. The SEC is now going after Gemini Exchange and Genesis for creating um, essentially a, an earn program where customers could deposit their crypto and, mm. and get a, you know 5% or something like that APR. They're coming after them saying those are securities, unregistered securities. But it's not just happening in the United States. Chris, you've got a story out of Canada. Yeah, um, that's right. Um, this is, and this is, this is, this is a different, uh, a bit of a. I think this is a little bit different, but it's yeah, it's an attack on. Uh, well, well, if this is the Canadian version of the SEC, is it not that we're I, about yeah, to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I believe so. Um, but it's it's a little bit different. And right. So I what I would say is I. I don't think it's a it, you might say it's an attack on cryptocurrency, but I think it's more of an indirect attack on cryptocurrency because I wouldn't consider Tether to be a cryptocurrency. But well, let's hear it. What, what, what point, are they right? trying to do? So uh, Crypto.com is reporting will de- Crypto.com will delist Tether in Canada to comply with Ontario regulator. So it's this exchange said it will no longer facilitate transactions associated with the stable coin at the end of the month. And it, it, I think I think what's interesting about this is uh, for those who aren't aware, Tether is, I, and I don't know, maybe you maybe you know better than I. I know you haven't been able to use crypto in, but um, is Tether still the number one stablecoin? It is. It is. Okay, so this is, as I understand it, it's like the thing that people buy in order to then buy other cryptocurrencies. Um, so if you remove it, might have an impact on the on the market. Yeah, Tether right now has it's the number three coin overall when you look at market cap size. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, then Tether, and it has a sixty five point nine billion dollar market cap. The second place stable stable coin, which has been gaining on Tether over the last few years, is USDC or USD coin at forty three point two billion. So it's still got a ways another twenty billion or so to uh, to catch up to them. So it's this is a big attack on cryptocurrency in canada i mean uh, you're you're downplaying this somewhat chris but you know and whatever you th- feel about tether as its own operation whether or not it's honest well, I, whether or not i'm not they trying have- to downplay it so much as to make a distinction between the two different things right so it's it's an attack on cryptocurrency overall maybe but it's indirect in that it's going after a stable coin that people who trade cryptocurrencies rely on right that's all i'm saying well that's a huge attack on the cryptocurrency industry because people rely on tether and I, now they're going to pull that I just carpet out from under them i just don't like the use of the word cryptocurrency to describe tether that's all i'm saying tether is a <laughs> crypto token so what tether is is it is a uh for listeners that aren't familiar it runs on uh, ethereum right Primarily, but it also yeah. runs on, I think, Bitcoin Cash and Solana, and there's a bunch of other uh, cryptos that can have tokens, mm-hmm. and there are Tether variants for those as well, but probably the super majority of it is on the Ethereum blockchain. I haven't looked at the breakdown in a while, but I think they're on, like I don't know, seven or eight at least different, uh, different systems out there. Okay. So for listeners that aren't familiar, you've got uh, cryptocurrency, which is sort of these what you might call the level one coins. So Bitcoin is an example of that. Ethereum uh dash whatever these other cryptocurrencies bitcoin cash we have tom in new hampshire i believe tom you're on free talk live uh yeah good evening it's about uh counterfeit postage stamps oh it's kind of well there's a lot of them and this has been going on uh, for a few years now and Hmm. uh, the postal service is aware of it and they uh publish uh you know uh, a 
press release about it and a video about it. What's going? What goes on is, is I'm not talking about legitimate discount postage, mm-hmm. which is typically, uh, you know, okay, who wants a whole bunch of twenty nine cent commemorative stamps? Okay, well, you you lucky if you if your uncle Joe passes away and leaves behind all these sheets of, you know, got carried away buying up too many of every new commemorative stamp. Yeah. You're lucky to get half the face value, you know, if you're trying to sell them off to dealers and stuff, because nobody collects stamps anymore, and right. uh, there's no demand for them. But I'm talking about rolls of forever stamps. I'm talking mm. about sheets of forever stamps. Well, right, because that, some number of years ago, they started putting the word forever on the first-class stamp, and the claim was, hey, if you buy this at whatever the current rate is for a first-class stamp, it'll always be good as a first-class stamp. So if you bought a forever stamp at $0.45, cents, which was only a few years ago, by the way, uh, then you would still be able to put that on an envelope today, even though the stamp price, by the way, is going up again to $0.63 cents, uh, per stamp. So that's what well, the whole forever thing was. But what they're doing is they're selling them for $0.50 cents on the dollar. You know, like rolls of a thousand, uh, rolls of a hundred of them, which should be sixty dollars right now, uh, and selling them for thirty dollars a roll. You're saying counterfeiters are selling these stamps? The counterfeiters, they say they're being counterfeit in China and smuggled into the United States. Wow! They have caught big batches of them, but I see these websites where they're selling these things for half the face value. And the websites are still there like a month later, two months later. I don't know why they're so slow in shutting them down. But just let me point something out to people that uh, when you take a look at those websites and they're offering them for 50 cents on the dollar, and you want, are these ones real or fake? Hmm. Well, there's illustrations of them, but of course, counterfeiters would just put uh, pictures on the website, illustrations made from real postage stamps and say this will will sell you you know sheets of this and it it, it really is a real it's a picture but that's not mm-hmm. what they're going to sell you they're going to sell you counterfeits that look a whole lot like that picture and curiosity yeah, do, do these stamps actually these counterfeit ones do they actually work oh yeah so they uh figured out how to put the uh <laughs> tagging on them and the postal inspectors uh, need to uh get into uh figuring out how to trace these back to give these get these people to reverse the credit card charges. You know, hey, you know the little old lady who buys a roll of them to put on uh, the the Christmas cards and mail them out. You don't want to throw her in jail. She doesn't know that these are fake, but you want to mm. help her get her money mm. back and charge it back to the counterfeiters. So and raid the place for crying out loud if they're selling counterfeit stamps. Take the counterfeit stamps out of there, you know? Wow, it's interesting. So you said there's some sort of phosphorescence of the stamps? There's some kind of security feature that... Oh, they... yeah. In the in, in the 1970s and, and be, around that time, they started putting this special tagging on every stamp for the purpose of uh, when they're going through the machines, that picks up, uh, okay, there's the corner that has the stamp on it, so that you face the letter this way and you put it through the machine that way, and then it goes through the canceling machine. That's what those were for. But uh, mm-hmm. the fake stamps didn't used to have that one until last year. Ooh, wow. And they started putting that on them, and they're coming out of China in humongous amounts. <laughs> and, I mean, why not? I mean, if you can get 50 cents uh, for uh, half the value of it, amazing. then, yeah, they, they mark them down. And they claim that they're just buying these from 
uh, businesses that go out of business, mailing houses that went out of business. You're saying like the that. sites that are, you're saying the websites yeah. that are marketing these stamps are marketing this and saying, well, you know, we're just buying these legitimately. These aren't counterfeit. And how yeah. would they know necessarily? I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Yeah, it's kind of hard to prove that they knew that they're counterfeit, especially mm-hmm. if they're good counterfeits. But mm. uh, you definitely don't uh, patronize those websites. It's if they're selling them for fifty cents on the dollar and they're the you know latest and greatest forever stamps, they're fake. It's, it's too good to be true. But you can still get yesteryear's uh, twenty-nine cent commemoratives that are genuine for fifty cents on the dollar. These are legitimately. You can yeah. get those legitimately. Oh, yeah, shows and stuff because okay. uh, no, there's just no demand for those uh, inconvenient denominations, and you know that that's what that's about. Wow! So basically, what you're saying is the U.S. Postal Service, by introducing the forever stamp, killed the demand for the old denominations because who yeah. wants those things? Who wants to deal with cal- mm. you know to- totaling up the number, uh, getting the right number of stamps on? Oh, you need an extra one cent stamp. Hmm? I do it. Well, yeah, but you're a dork. (laughs) (laughs) Tether is basically a centralized, uh, it's backed by a centralized corporation. Yes. And uh, it's considered a so-called stable coin. And the idea is that for each Tether, there is $1 supposedly that this corporation has in a vault or a bank account somewhere. And the problem with the Tether Corporation is they've never allowed their uh, they've never yeah. allowed a third party <laughs> audit supposedly of their uh, reserves. So we really don't know. There's like a big question mark about yeah, the Tether it, company. It, people may be relying on uh, false promises, basically, in that regard. So, but you basically are paying a dollar per Tether, right? And that's what you would pay on the market for. A tether, they're giving correct. you a dollar per Tether, I guess, if you try to cash out so to speak so but they won't because tether will not take retail customers for cash outs you can only uh cash out through crypto exchanges who accept tether okay uh tether's corporation will only accept big 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 players for potential cash outs as i understand it interesting yes you don't you don't just get to ring them up and say i got 10 tether can i get ten dollars in my bed it doesn't happen so um basically um cryptocurrency is you know it's decentral what i would call a cryptocurrency is decentralized and uh you're basically I, 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 at least the ones that are out there are generally their their value is sort of based on them what the market will allow right mm-hmm. sure uh they're based That's on the supply and original demand. cryptocurrency right right uh so people will buy these tether uh in order to trade cryptocurrencies uh you know trade for other cryptocurrencies basically like actual cryptocurrencies so okay so cryptocurrency exchange crypto.com will no longer facilitate transactions involving tether in canada just to be clear hmm. and plans to delist the largest stablecoin by market capitalization for customers in the region Crypto.com has delisted the USDT for users in Canada in accordance with in, uh, instructions from the entire Ontario Securities Ex- Security. Oh, they, I'm sorry, they call it the Securities Commission, not Securities Exchange Commission. I think I may have said probably that the earlier. same thing, though. but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is. As part of our pre-registration undertaking for a restricted dealer license, a spokesman from Crypto.com told Decrypt. So apparently, that's that's what's going on. So Canada is putting some sort of new regulation in, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, can, Canadian users of the exchange were notified about the company's change in policy on Tuesday via email as images of the delisting notice began to crop up on both Reddit and Twitter. 
this is the interesting part. The notices stated crypto.com supported Tether will end on January 31st without specify, specifically stating users in Canada would Ooh. only be affected. So, so people, people were thinking this out. was like everywhere, right? Mm. And remember, um, you know, Tether is sort of the back, you know, it's, it's the cornerstone of the whole crypto world. Um, so at least, at least of the crypto exchanges, crypto trading world, I yeah. think is, is the way to phrase it. Yeah. Uh, people who invest in it, so to speak. Uh, prompting confusion on behalf of some of so, some on social media. The exchange warned users that all trading, deposits, and withdrawals will not be facilitated after the deadline. Please take urgent action to review your wow. USDT balance and take necessary action, the notice stated. Any remaining UD, USDT balances would automatically be converted to circle USD coin hmm. which is another so, stable coin do, do they say i mean maybe maybe it's coming up but do they explain why they're going after tether as, as opposed to going after all stable coins i i think it sounds like i mean okay so i don't i think it sounds like they haven't I, there's some sort of registration that has to occur so oh. they probably just so need tether time in, in order to jump through the hoops i'm guessing ah okay or maybe okay. they just don't want to jump through those hoops right mm-hmm. i mean you know canon is not the biggest market it's a small country mm. population wise so you know maybe it's just too much regulation for them to bother okay. uh and there are apparently other stable coins that they can use so yes there are yeah tether is the third largest digital asset by market capitalization and crypto's largest stable coin according to data from coin gecko with a total value of 66 million dollars as you were stating earlier yep. usd coin currently is uh second among stable coins at nearly 43 billion dollars in total value but gained ground against tether last year well if this keeps up <laughs> they may uh they may out mm-hmm. uh, do it here shortly tether you can withdraw from the exchange to your own wallet or you can put it on another exchange or or whatever so right. tether okay. tether makes the dollar more useful so it's not speed it's convenience of moving it around it's being yeah, on sure. the other side of the crypto barrier more than anything else i think it takes the dollar and the same thing's true for the usd coin and any other stable mm-hmm. coin is it makes the dollar more useful it makes it more portable uh, some of the things portability. That, yep. Yeah, some of the things that uh, that makes sense to me. Stable coins can benefit certain individuals around the world. Is if you are in a country where the 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 currency, the fiat currency, is in hyperinflation mode, which the dollar is not yet supposedly. But if you're in you know uh, Zimbabwe or Venezuela or something like that, and you want to convert your local currency into dollars. But you can't physically get dollars. You could get tether, and you can hold that tether. So there's like people in China or wherever that are actually holding tether balances in their crypto wallets to kind of get around the restrictions on being able to use the dollar uh, in China as a way to kind of hedge their bets against the yuan, for instance. So it, it gives people more options around the world to use fiat currencies. Obviously, we're not fans of fiat currencies in general, yeah. <laughs> but for those that want to deal in them – it expands their repertoire yeah, quite a bit. I, you know, yeah. I've always seen it as a solution to get around problems effectively with, you know, dirty fiat, right? Or the, or the, with the, because ultimately at the end of the day, most people are not dealing with cryptocurrencies. They're not dealing, they're not even dealing with uh, Tether. They're dealing with dollars, right? Um, and so this just seems like a, a, a way to, it's a hack to get around some of the issues that the traditional system puts in place. It, yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah, I basically used it as a way to uh, uh, to short crypto. Like if uh, if crypto went way down in an hour, 
um, if if there is a significant drop in crypto, it's reasonable to assume that over the next few hours it will continue to drop if there's a very large mm. um, sudden drop because people will panic sell. Right. Yeah. Sure. Um, Makes sense. So basically, if you if you see a large drop like that and you go into USDT and then in the morning things look better, you go back into into crypto and you've got more Satoshi than you started out with. All right. Crypto.com's decision to delist Tether follows regulatory clarification from the Canadian standards. I'm going to repeat that one there. Clarification, regulatory clarification. Mm. I.e., they probably redefined it. They made up a new law. Yeah, (laughs) from the Canadian Standards Association in December, the update was posted to the Ontario Security Commission's website. In early 2021, Tether and Bitfinex, a cryptocurrency exchange with the same parent company as Tether, were shut down in New York in order to pay 18.5 million for false statements made about Tether's backing following a 22-month investigation by the state. These companies obscured the true risk investors faced and were operated by unlicensed and unregulated individuals and entities. Dealing in the, Quick, somebody panicked. I know, right? In the darkest corners of the financial system, said New York Attorney General. Tether's Ridiculous. Claims. They were at J.P. Morgan? tethers claims that its virtual currency was fully backed by u.s dollars at all times was a lie Hmm. which is something that was pointed out at the time um in in that it 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 wasn't and uh and later it did come out that it that it it wasn't and they changed the wording of it too so um now it's now it's backed which is probably a good thing that it's not backed by u.s dollars one-to-one um, but it's rather it's backed by, at least in theory, other, you know, assets like, I don't know, you know, like houses or, you know, others, other investments, I guess, basically. The term they had used uh, for a time was dollar equivalents. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so, like treasury bonds and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it sounded, I, I think I feel like it sounded like they were, they, they were very broad. And I, I was thinking things like stocks and other things, right? Maybe. But, I don't know. Um, but yeah, but you might be right. Maybe, but maybe. From what I understand, they won't show an audit. So you still don't know. Right. And, and the one of the, and one of the problems though with saying it's backed one to one though, if it was say a stock, mm-hmm. stocks can also go up and down. So yeah, that's why I think they use the term dollar equivalents. I don't think they were talking about stocks. The there. bonds, I think they were talking about treasuries. The bonds like would make more sense, I believe, um, yeah. or CDs yeah. maybe, or something like that. Usually, um, the term they use is dollar denominated because basically, if you're denominated in dollars, then you will stay stable against the dollar. Right. If you're denominated in uh, ounces of yeah. gold, then and gold goes down. Yeah. then uh, all of a sudden you're not fully covering what you're trying sure. to cover. In response to USDT's delisting from crypto.com, a spokesperson for Tether told Decrypt that Canada is not a core market for Tether. Mm, okay, so you were right. Your prediction was that this, they didn't care enough. Yeah. Uh, the spokesperson added, while this does not mean that we will abandon our interest in ensuring that Tether products can be used beyond any borders, we abide by regulatory guidelines. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, it sounds like uh, it, maybe this is more of an issue with Tether than it is even with Crypto.com. So I'm wondering if the other other, uh, you know, I don't know, exchanges, I guess, w- would will also be 
delisting it. Don't know. I'd say there's a good chance. If, yeah. if Tether isn't willing to jump through the hoops of the Canadian government, right. then, uh, then it and becomes a risk to carry it, them on your platform. It seems like it would be dependent on Tether in this case, too, because it is, it's the one that appears to be getting regulated and the other i you know i don't know because they both are regulated i would think uh both tether they're, both, they're all regulated what i'm what it sounds it. like is that uh the other stable coins have jumped through the hoops and tether hasn't right the spokesperson mm. described crypto.com a canadian company not to my knowledge but they operate in different countries right the spokesperson described Canada as moving more aggressively to regulate crypto compared to most countries, mm. adding a fair open... <laughs> is this wow. a spokesperson for Tether? Uh, a spokesperson described, I'm guessing, yeah, okay. I think so, um, which is interesting. Uh, this is interesting, the way they're wording it, too. The spokesperson described Canada as moving more aggressively to regulate crypto compared to most countries, adding, this is the funny part, a Fair, open, and forward-looking approach to financial access should be encouraged. Oh, okay. Okay. So they added the word encouraged to that. I thought they were calling it fair, open, and forward. Forward, Like, yeah. Okay. We got Joe on the line in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Joe. i just like to talk and uh, say to people, I'll be thankful for the show because you guys expound freedom. And that's really important in people's lives. Now, the government says, well, just trust us. But that's what Joseph Goebbels said. And Mm. our country is going to crap. And here's one thing that really boggles my mind. They say there's $65 trillion missing. Who does? Um, I, I read it on a news site, and they say in the government there's $65 trillion missing. And... That would solve all the country's problems. Well, no, it wouldn't. I mean, there's no way you can solve all of the problems. I'm just, I'm, I'm making like a generalization. Mm-hmm. It would solve, it would solve a great deal of them. And then we ought to get. Well, what it would do is, if they all of a sudden uncovered sixty-five trillion dollars, is it would increase the money, the money supply dramatically, and uh, creates more, uh, more problems from inflation i don't know what it's still Although, unclear. if they took if they found that money and paid the uh paid the bonds off then it would just it would eliminate the the national debt okay here's uh the story i i just found uh from bloomberg quote unquote missing 65 trillion huge missing and growing uh in dollar de- 65 trillion in dollar debt i'm trying to, oh it's they they locked uh the website down here see i got it <laughs> it's always so annoying hmm. i'll see if i can figure it out yeah. for you here well there's uh just to give you the meaning of a piece of this uh one day they found that the uh the pentagon had uh misplaced trillion between Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Um, Or no, actually it was before the, it was before the Iraq war. Um, But they had misplaced um, two and a half, two and a half trillion dollars. And by misplaced, it's never coming back. What does that mean? Well, 
We don't know exactly what it means because all of the records were stored in the Pentagon in the accounting section, <laughs> and the day they discovered this oh. was nine ten of <laughs> two thousand and one, and the airplane with the missile engine hit the uh, hit the Pentagon the next day, mm-hmm. right where they stored their accounting records. How about so that? that mm. data is gone. What a coincidence! Uh, Isn't that convenient? Oh, you know, there's this uh, thing in, you know, the corporate world. It's called backups. And uh, I'd like to think it's in most people's homes as well. But I'll be honest. I don't know that most people are backing up their data. But you should be. <laughs> mm. Yeah. An off-site backup as well. Yeah. Right? Off-site. Uh, well, yeah, there's there's uh, redundancy for, for, like, servers so mm. that if one drive dies, you don't lose anything. Right. And then there's also backups and then there's also offsite backups especially in the corporate yeah. world uh, institutions this is according to pensions and investments so joe this is a story you're referring to with the 65 trillion pensions uh, pionline.com uh, the site says institutions outside the united states are holding an estimated 65 trillion in quote-unquote missing dollar debt off of their balance sheets through currency derivatives making it harder for global policymakers to anticipate the next financial crisis According to a paper from the Bank for International Settlements, this very short-term hidden borrowing uh, forms part of a huge missing and growing debt that the likes of pension funds owe through foreign exchange swaps and other derivative transactions. And that's more financial gobbledygook than I can possibly process. I don't know what any of that actually means. Do you? Do any of you guys know what that means? I got nothing. Yeah. Joe? Not sure. Yeah. Can't even, I can't even fathom $65 trillion. I mean, is the planet worth $65 trillion? I mean, it's really ridiculous. Uh, that's a good think, question. I mean, yeah, well, th- that's a lot of money either way, whether it can, yeah. is or isn't. And, and we've got to stop killing each other. I mean, everybody's fighting wars and stuff, and what are they fighting them over for? For real. It's either religion, a piece of property, or some money. We talked last night about these crypto lending operations, so uh, Gemini had one of them. Gemini is a crypto exchange based here in the United States that was all about regulations. They wanted to, well, oh, yeah, please regulate us. Regulate us harder. Sounds uh, like Paxos. Paxos? Pa- Paxos, is my saying that right? Yeah, they're one of them, too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Gemini has been targeted now by the SEC here in the United States for offering a so-called security by offering to pay people on a yearly basis or you know an APR or whatever for depositing crypto with them, and then they can then loan it out. Well, there's companies that are like this. Celsius is one of them. They went down in flames in the summer of 2022, mm-hmm. and Celsius's big competitor was a company called Nexo, or is a company called Nexo. Nexo has not gone bankrupt at this point. However, they are now being targeted in Bulgaria, according to Coindesk.com, into alleged money laundering and tax violations. Hmm. According to the story, they're being investigated on suspicion of money laundering, tax offenses, banking without a license, and computer fraud. The Bulgarian prosecutor's office is conducting an investigation in Sofia to, quote, neutralize the criminal activity, unquote, of Nexo, according to an automated translation of a statement issued on Facebook Thursday. More than 300 people are involved in this operation. The attorney general from Bulgaria had this to say, uh, the main organizers of the scheme are Bul- Bulgarian citizens, and the activity was carried out mainly from the territory of Bulgaria. 
He said, further evidence has been collected that a person who used the platform and transferred cryptocurrencies has been officially declared a terrorist financing person, according to the statement. So apparently just because... So like a taxpayer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apparently just because Nexo had a customer that is now allegedly a terrorist... Apparently, that means Nexo's in trouble. That's crazy. I mean, uh, <laughs> do you think that the uh, you know the hijackers on 9-11 weren't using the financial system, you know, uh, you know, traditional banks at that point, right? right. Uh, you know, to transfer money abroad and so forth. I mean, they had their government. They had government driver's licenses in the United States. Well, like, as we learned, I mean, come the, on, give me a break. How is how is anybody supposed to be responsible for what another person does? As we learned in the Crypto Six trial uh, that I you know unfortunately got found guilty at. We learned that it doesn't matter what happens to uh, financial fraud victims as long as they go through a bank. So it's okay if old ladies are scammed out of uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or an old man is scammed out of $1.2 million, uh, as we saw some of these victims come up from these online scams. It's totally fine if they go to the bank and send a wire transfer to the scam artist. But if they go to a pick a Bitcoin seller, and the Bitcoin seller also gets fooled by these people who are telling lies to them, because they tell lies to the bank tellers uh, mm-hmm. to get them to send the wire transfers, and then they tell lies to buy buy Bitcoin. It's the Bitcoin people who get to go to prison, not the the bank tellers. So as long as you have the government mm-hmm. permission slip, it's totally fine. They don't care about what happens to these victims. Uh, in a thread on Twitter, Nexo said it's cooperating with relevant authorities and regulators. It says it has stringent anti-money laundering and know-your-customer policies and implied that it was being targeted unfairly. Nexo uh, spokesperson said in an email to Coindesk, quote, These are authorities at one of Nexo's offices in Bulgaria, which is, as you know, the most corrupt country in the EU. Well, what do you have offices there for? <laughs> Not that there's any safe place to be as a crypto company. Yeah, also, if they're Bulgarian nationals, they might, I don't know what economic uh, regulation is like in uh, there, but they might not be able to invest outside their country. Yeah, you know what's interesting is um, about some of these, you know, some of these situations is like, you can't tell, there are obviously, uh, you know, some like really, how do I say this, corrupt or dishonest figures out there, people out there doing some really bad stuff, right? But there's also people out there that are being targeted by the government who are doing nothing wrong, and yet they're using the same, you know, claims, false claims against those individuals. Go ahead, Sarah. Um, so, so it was on the news that the Westside Homeless Shelter is being inspected by the Inspector General. I I don't know who that is, but. They're finding a fire code violation. They have mice, lice, and broken showers. And they Lovely. say that non ADA compliant. But, you know, I, I've called into the show. Just to clarify, hold on. Before you go on, Sarah, is this a government run homeless shelter? I think so. Hitting mm-hmm. home, they're the agency. But I, I have a feeling it's government, government run. It's okay. definitely um, not private funding. No, it's one. Uh, the money is uh, it's government run, and then uh, yep, it sure is. I just looked it up here. Uh, the West Side Emergency Housing Center has a .gov website, so it is definitely a government operation. Uh, what's your takeaway from this, Sarah? 
My my takeaway is that uh, I'm kind of oh perplexed. That why did it take like how long uh, like years and years, seven eight years before they finally had somebody go down there and inspect it? Um, because mm-hmm. I was calling in about the all kinds of. I mean, I caught. Well, the reason is there. because government criminals don't care if other government criminals break the law. That's just to make make that clear, but go ahead with your next thing. Well, plus, even if there are people within the government that, you know, do care, they're not incentivized in the same way as regular people or charities are, for instance. So they don't have the same sense of urgency. It's like, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. Oh, yeah, it's only been five years. Oh, we'll check it later. I mean, they just don't they don't they don't have any kind of incentive. They're not they're not worried about getting donations. Right. Like your typical charity has to be responsible for its donor's money. If it's not responsible, if it just pisses it away or whatever on stupid crap, then the donors can come in there and say, well, looks like you're not actually spending the money in the way we said you should spend the money, so you're not getting it this year. And then that agency is just going to go away because they can't get the support that they need. Whereas the, the government, whether it be federal or state or Albuquerque city government, they get paid anyway. It doesn't matter because they will steal your home from you if you don't pay the property taxes. Yeah, there's there's something people a lot of people probably don't know about the charities, but um, there's actually uh, independent like some sort of independent rating, um, uh, like where where their financials get rated, right? Like how well or how efficiently is a nonprofit doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and we only what, rate nonprofits. Well, <laughs> but the point the point that I'm making is that you actually do have an ability to put your money uh, to better use by selecting a nonprofit, some sort right. of nonprofit. That's why I uh, donate to the local homeless shelter that's right. run privately here right. in Keene. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes Subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.